Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, you pray for our orchestra this Thursday and Friday. They are scheduled to do their professional recording, which will accompany the portion that the choir did for our 20th anniversary CD, which we hope to release next year. And so if you'll mark in your calendar to be in prayer for the, the orchestra as they go through the, uh, that recording this Thursday and Friday, that'll be a blessing. Well, let's take our Bibles and stand, please. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. I want to welcome first-time guests and returning visitors with us this morning. We're delighted you're here, and we want that your experience today at Heritage Baptist Church to be a blessed and wonderful one. And I'm asking our members to look around if you see someone that doesn't have a Bible or doesn't have a King James Version of the Bible or looks kind of lost trying to find where they're at. You share your Bible with them and help them find their place. We'll be entirely in Joshua chapter 7 this morning. And then I want to encourage you to be back tonight at 515 for the evening service as we continue our series on how to win souls and to reach people for Christ and to get them in the church. And Lord willing, we might have a chance to share some stories. Just God is doing some wonderful, wonderful things in the church as far as folks getting saved. And we just want to be part of that and just to learn that God has called us to bear fruit, bring forth fruit, and fruit that should remain, and we want to be part of that. Joshua chapter 7, follow as I read the scriptures this morning, beginning, actually, go up one verse to chapter 6, verse 27. Are you there? All right, I want you to follow. We'll start there. This gives us kind of some insight what happens here, okay? Chapter 6, verse 27, then we'll go into chapter 7. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, to the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men. And they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua, he rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening time. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and shall environ us around, and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Notice verses 10 through 12. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. 
Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were cursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the cursed thing from among you. I call your attention to verse one. It sets kind of the foundation and the springboard for the message today. And we're coming off of just an incredible series of victories that Josh has experienced in chapters three, four, and five. And six, and now we come to chapter seven, and we call this many times the tragedy at Ai. Or if you'll notice, a man is mentioned here in chapter seven. And his name is Achan, who's of the tribe of Judah. And for a few moments this morning, we want to see the sin of Achan, and we want God to help us today to see where there's always victory. We must always watch and pray, lest we enter to temptation. We must guard ourselves in times of victory of being very careful of sin arising in our lives and taking advantage of us. We pray this morning we'll see from Achan's life, we'll see the definitions of sin and things like that, but we'll see this morning how God works in spite of all that for His glory. Now, Father, today, thank you for the hymns and the special music that's been sung. Thank you especially, as the choir sang this morning, that our sins are nailed to the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, at the cross of Calvary, where the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Flowing from those wounds was that precious, sinless blood that covers all of our sins. Thank you that, God, His death was a vicarious death. Thank you it was a sacrificial death. Thank you that it was a perfect atonement for all of our sins. Today, Lord, we just come to you, Lord, very humbly, and seeking you out, Lord, for the burdens of our heart, the difficulties of our lives, the problems we face, the victories that we are in, and, Lord, the possibility of failure around the corner. I pray that you speak to our hearts. Give us, Lord, a spirit of teachableness. And even as the Lord Jesus Christ prayed in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify thy people through thy truth, for thy word is truth. I pray the same thing this morning. I ask today, God, that you'd sanctify us through thy truth, for thy word is truth. And the Jesus said in John 15, 3, now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. And I pray, God, this morning that the word of God would cleanse us. I pray, God, this morning the word of God would confront us. I pray, God, this morning that the word of God would help us today to be the kind of people we should be. Help us in our struggles. Help us in our heart of hearts just to be, to cry out to you and seek out your help for our lives. Bless this service today. I pray for those here today who do not know Christ as their Savior, that today might they realize that this is their point day if this is the day of salvation this can be the accepted time we pray that you'll be glorified in all of our lives and getting victory today we pray for this in jesus name amen you may be seated last week we saw how faith was the means by which the city of jericho was conquered by joshua Jericho is a picture of the difficulties of the Christian life. It is a picture of the circumstances that can only be overcome by faith. Maybe this morning I'm talking to a family, I'm talking to a man or to a woman, a young person, and you feel like there's a great Jericho in your life, a great obstacle, a great circumstance, a difficult problem that you face, and you wonder how the Jericho in your life can be overcome. And we saw how faith was the means by which Jericho was overcome. It was not overcome by a mighty army. It was not overcome by military strategy. It was not overcome by battering rams. It was not overcome by the strategy of man. It was overcome simply by the fact the Bible says by faith the walls of Jericho came down. And we understand this morning that faith is important in our lives. You see today 
Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10.17 The Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 And so today God wants you and me to have, be a people of faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And the just shall walk by faith. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you began that journey of faith. The journey of faith never stops. It's always an ongoing journey that we continue on. And we just want God to direct our steps and guide us along the way so we might know what we should do. We see victory in the life of Joshua over Jericho. In Joshua 7, as we start this, we must keep several things in mind. God had given to Joshua and Israel a series of monumental victories. Chapter 6, verse 27 sets the tone for that. Would you look at it again with me? The Bible says, so the Lord was with Joshua. Joshua had seen victory after victory after victory. He saw the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River during the time of harvest. He saw where the men of, of Israel, who were over the 20 years of age that had been born in the wilderness, they willingly submitted themselves to the cutting of the flesh. He saw the victory and the submission of the people of eating the old corn of the land and preparing themselves to enter into the land of Canaan. We saw the submission of Joshua in chapter 5 to the captain of the Lord of hosts. I mean, Joshua has just submitted himself to God and the people following his leadership and doing the same thing and victory after victory and after victory. And you know what I'm talking about this morning. When God gives you victory and you see answers to prayer and you see the promises of God at work in your life, there's a sense of confidence that the Lord gives us. The Bible gives us confidence so we know that there's the victory that overcometh the world is by our faith. God gives us confidence when we pray. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything and it be according to His will, He heareth us. And we know that He heareth us because He grants us a petition that we've asked of Him. You do a study through the book of 1 John and you can't help but notice that God is a God who instills confidence in us. You might be somebody who feels inferior. You might be somebody who feels like that, uh, that uh, there are other people better than you. But I want to tell you, all you need is God in your life. Amen? You just need God to help you along the way and realize He gives you the confidence, the victory, the overcome of the world. And we read in chapter 6, verse 27, So the Lord was with Joshua and His fame was noise throughout all the country. He's coming off a monumental victory. They've overcome all of the city of Jericho. The walls, the double walls, if you remember, an outer wall and an inner wall were toppled by the shout of the people as God worked through that reverberating shout of several hundred thousand people to bring down, or several million people to bring down those walls. And they went over those, they went over the, the cobblestones there and got themselves in the wall inside the city and they took the city by storm. They had a monumental victory. But I want to say this evening, this morning, as we enter chapter 7, it starts with the word but. There's a conjunction there. It's a warning there. Joshua 7 is a caution and a warning to us as Christians. Thank God you've gotten saved. This past week we've seen several adults trust Jesus Christ as Savior. We're thankful this morning that Cindy Wong, who's been in our church for almost 20 years and has just been a faithful Christian working in, among our children and our teens. Cindy has prayed for 19 years that her father would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Her father recently retired from his work working in Safeway as a cook there in the deli section. And we've been praying for him for several months here that God would just give us an open-door opportunity. And the Bible says, a man's heart devises way, but the Lord directed his steps. And the Lord directed us this week just to go and visit with Mr. Wong. And we, we can't kind of caught him off guard there. And as we were with this man, we got to talking about the Lord. And, and he'd watched a little bit. He'd just seen, heard the gospel on, on uh, being preached on television and so forth there. And he knew a little bit about that. And we talked about just coming here as an immigrant and, and the blessings of God. But I said, there's one blessing that... 
you have yet to receive. I said, there's one blessing you have yet to receive, and you cannot work for that blessing. And that blessing is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he just kind of perked up about that. And I said, listen, we're praying that you have a long life, but more important than a long life, it's important that you have eternal life. And I'm thankful that on Friday afternoon at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Mr. Wong realized he was a sinner in need of Jesus Christ as Savior. And he bowed his head and called on Jesus Christ to save him from all his sins. Listen, there's great victory in his life. And so many others today. We have a young couple that's here this morning that uh, the husband's been coming since October, November. He shared with us his testimony. I might share tonight in the evening service. He shared with us his testimony of how he worked for an unsaved uh, employer. And this unsaved employer was a very crude man and a very rough man, a very difficult man. Owned a lot of businesses and for our practical purposes might be considered a billionaire from the country he came from. And that man, but that man somehow as he came here, he was running from the government because they found out that he did some things that were perhaps considered illegal. And he ran from the government, came here and started a bunch of businesses and sent a bunch of money over here. And But there was something gnawing inside of him telling him that inside of his conscience that things weren't right. This man came under the influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ of all things. This man was so bothered his conscience, he came to know Jesus as his savior. And this man who was abrasive and rude to all of his employees, there was an overnight change in his life. Something happened in his life. We call it 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And he started talking nicely to his employees. And they said, whoa, what's going on here? This guy used to be rough and abrasive and all these things. He's being nice to us and so forth. And uh, this man, yesterday as we talked, he said, I looked at my employer, my boss, and I said, he said, there's something that's, that's different about this man. And he watched him for a few years, for a couple years there as things were going on. And finally, when they made a trip to L.A., this man invited him to, to a church service. And this man, who in our church heard the gospel preached for the first time, he started realizing this. And he, he's putting two and two together. And he's thinking, there's a power that's greater than nuclear power. There's a power that's moving my boss's heart. And that power must be God. And yesterday as we met with that man, he shared his testimony. We were th- listening to that. We asked him if we could talk to his wife. And his wife came into the room. And we sat down with his wife. And she knew something about Christianity, but nothing about how to be saved. We started talking about the fact that all men are sinners and men need to be saved from their sins. And this woman, she realized her need for Christ and she looked at my wife and said, Shimu or Mrs. Fong, I, I know I need to get saved today. Can you show me how to get saved? And this woman, Anna, called upon the Lord yesterday to save her. She said, Jesus, I need to get saved. Well, as soon as she did that, her husband had this serious look on his face. He looked at me and he looked at my wife and he says, listen, I'm not even I listened to what you just told my wife and I look at what you just said about the situation and I just kind of feel like right now, I need to be certain in my heart that I'm saved too. And there that man trusted Christ as his Savior. Listen, good things happen when you get saved. Wonderful things happen. When you get saved, you get the gift of eternal life. Can you hear an amen about that? When you get saved, you get forgiven of all your sins. You get saved, you become a son of God. But I'm going to tell you something today. When you get saved, your problems begin. And as we look at Joshua chapter 7, the source of all our troubles is rooted here in Joshua chapter 7. The source of all our troubles. And we're going to see this morning how God presents to us how what happened to Israel at this moment of time. We're going to see from the scriptures today a clear doctrinal statement concerning the tragedy of sin. Would you notice several things with me this morning as we look at this matter of the sin of Achan? First of all, notice in verse 1, we see the cause of sin. Notice in verse 1, we find the word trespasser. Would you underline or circle the word trespass? Then would you go with me to verse 12 and circle two other words? Would you notice the word sin and the word transgress? 
underline or circle those words. We read here in chapter 7, verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. We start off by realizing Israel committed a trespass. We must start this morning, my friend, and looking at the cause of sin. Now, the Bible gives us many descriptions of sin. It uses the word, the word, the Greek word that's used for sin is the word hamartia. And hamartia establishes the doctrine of sin. We call that the doctrine hamartiology or something like that there. And basically the word sin, if you'll write this down, the word sin means to, to, uh, to miss the mark. It has the idea of someone who's got a rock and he wants to hit a target and he throws it and he misses the mark. It has the idea of a target and an archer reaching back into his quiver and pulling out an arrow. As he pulls it out, he reaches back in his bow. He's going to let it go. As he lets it go, it misses the mark. The word sin means we've missed the mark. That's where we get this phrase in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come. Talk to me. Come what? Short of the glory of God. Missing the mark means we've come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is who God is. Notice we see the word trespass used. And the word transgress or transgression used. And the word iniquity is also used. These words also have a same emphasis concerning the description of sin. They mean to cross the forbidden line. They mean to do that which is forbidden. It means to trespass. It means to be unfaithful. It describes perversity. It describes rebellion, wickedness and depravity. The word description we see about sin as we get to the underlying root of those words described to us. Sin means we've missed some mark. We've crossed a forbidden line. We've been unfaithful to God or very basically we have disobeyed God. But notice the definition of sin. Sin is when we disobey God. Go back with me to chapter 6 and notice verses 18 and 19. Because to understand chapter 7, we've got to look in verses 18 to 19 to see a commandment that God had given. Now understand with me this morning. A commandment is is a mandate. A commandment is a is a statement that is given to that is to be obeyed, that is to be observed, and that is not to be broken. The breaking of that commandment means disobedience, and it means a very flagrant offense to the one who's given that. Notice chapter six, verse eighteen. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse. And trouble it. And, but all the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. <coughs> they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Notice the word accursed that's used here. He says, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Now the word accursed means something to, to do, the, it means something that's prohibited. It means something not to be touched. Something violated that leads to a serious aftermath. When we talk about the definition of sin, we see a cause and we see an effect. When we sin, we've broken a commandment. When we sin, the effect is that there's punishment that's associated with it. The Bible tells them in verses, chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, when you enter to the city, there are certain things that God said that I reserve for myself. And he calls it a curse to them because basically, man, it's devoted to me. It has the idea of something consecrated to some, uh, to a deity, but for that, to that deity alone. And if you should take of it, you've stolen from that deity. You've stolen it and taken it for
for your own personal consumption. So he calls it accursed if they take it. Accursed means to take that which does not belong to you. Notice sin here, as we look at chapter 6, verse 18 to 19, and correlate with chapter 7, we find here that Israel disobeyed God. Sin is when we disobey God's word. Sin is when you know to do the right thing and you don't do it. Sin is knowing to do the right thing and you don't do it. James 4.17 Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know you're supposed to be in church on Sunday, you're not in church on Sunday, and you just skip out because you feel like it, it's a sin because you know you're to do right. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Sin is going against a good conscience. Your conscience tells you what is right, but you knowingly disobey it. All sin is the breaking of the laws and the commandments of God. All sin is evil. All sin is wicked. You look at the Ten Commandments, and all of us have broken the Ten Commandments. I said this Wednesday night. Jesus confronted or had a young man that came to him. He's called the rich young ruler. I call him one of the millennials that made it big in the Internet business. Amen? He launched off a company, and he made billions of dollars on it. He's the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus, kind of like the founder of Facebook. And he comes to Jesus, and he says... I want to know, what can I do to get to heaven? And he says, well, he says, uh, he says have you kept all the commandments? He's, and he starts listing off, and he talks about four or five of the commandments that he's done. He says, yes, I've, ta- I've, been, I've honored my father and my mother, and I've done this, and I've done that. And Jesus said, well, go sell everything you've got, and then you can have eternal life. Now, he wasn't telling the man that, he, that by selling everything he had, giving everything away, that good work would save him. He was trying to get to the root of this man's problem, because this young man was self-righteous. This young man would not admit that there were some commandments he did not keep. And one of the commandments he did not keep was the sin of covetousness. In chapter 10, uh, the 10th commandment speaks about covetousness. When I desire that which belongs to somebody else. When I desire something that somebody else has, but I want it for myself. And when you commit covetousness, which we all do, when we, then the, the effect of that is we've also broken the first two commandments. We've committed idolatry because all covetousness is idolatry. And so we have those two in place. But he avoided those. He didn't want to bring that up for Jesus. And when Jesus said, go sell what you have, and then you will find out this man's countenance dropped, and he was angry and upset with Jesus, and he walked away. And the disciples were looking amazed, and Jesus was putting his finger on the problem with this man, that this man had sinned. Listen to me, brother and sister in Christ and friend here today. All of us have sinned. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it describes to us how sin originates in our life. Now, we're born with a sin nature. We're all born with a sin nature. In, in sin did my mother conceive me, David said in Psalm 51.5. But notice this, in James 1 verses 14 and 15, it describes to us how sin arises in our heart. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and he's enticed. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Listen, it starts off through temptation. And when you yield to temptation, your lust... Your cravings, your desire, your coveting is, it comes, comes out of that. And as a result, you want to obtain that what you're doing. Listen, he says, he says, he tells us here, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. The pull of temptation pulls you to obey your lust and your desires. And as a result of that, you lead yourself into sin there. Verse one says, the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took 
took of the accursed thing. Sin was lying at the door. God tells us immediately in chapter 7, verse 1, that they had committed a sin. But notice this now. We know up front what goes on. We know the beginning to the ending. But the nation of Israel and Joshua had no knowledge of the sin that had been committed. But they were still considered guilty because all of them had heard what God had told Joshua. We see now that we see the, 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 the cause of sin. But notice in verses 2 through 5, we see the cause of sin. Would you notice with me the casualties of sin? Now, sin has casualties. Sin is very bad. Sin just doesn't affect you. Sometimes we erroneously and ignorantly say, what's my sin? Don't worry about it. Well, we have to worry about it because every man's sin affects someone else here. Would you notice what happens in verses 2 through 5? And I'll just summarize it very quickly. In verses 2 through 3, 2 and 3, Joshua sends some spies out. He says, okay, the next city next to us, next to Jericho, that needs to be conquered is a city called Ai. Sometimes I call it what the Chinese say, Ai-yah. You know, that's what I call it there. Ai-yah to Ai, okay? And, uh, you know, because that's what happened there. When the sin happened, they said, Ai-yah, look what happened to us here, right? And so they, he says, let's send some spies to Ai. Now remember, chapter 6, verse 27, Joshua is feeling pretty, pretty confident, you know? He's, he's famous now. His fame spread throughout all of the land. He's famous because the Lord was with him. And they're feeling pretty confident because they've had about five or six successive victories. And they're not thinking a bad day is going to happen. And so I have to say this. I think Joshua just was a little bit, maybe a little bit overly confident. He says, let's send some men up. And they sent some men to spout Ai, much smaller city than Jericho. Was not well fortified like Jericho. The spies come back. And they, after what they've seen, they experienced, they forgot God gave them the victory. But they thought the victory could be of them. If you read verses 2 and 3, they say, well, don't send the whole army up. We don't need several hundred thousand. Ah, uh, you can send two or three thousand men, and we can take them all by ourselves. Let's go take them out there, you know, just two or three thousand men. He said, okay, we'll do it. And Joshua just listens to these men. He's a great general. He's a great military strategist. They send two, three thousand men, and they get whooped very bad. I mean, they get whipped really bad. They get so whipped so bad. Notice what tells us up here. They go there in verse four. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. Listen, they had a tragedy. They didn't know what was going on in the backside, but there are the casualties of sin. Do you notice one of the casualties of sin is prayer is halted? There's no praying about going in there. There's no praying about the situation. Prayer is an after effect, not a before effect. They're not thinking about God. They're overconfident themselves that they think they can conquer AI in their own strength. Prayer is halted. I remind you, one of the signs that we are on the verge of a spiritual defeat is if we don't feel like praying. If we're not in the mode to praying. Jesus told us, watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Prayer is halted. But you notice in verse 5, people are hurt. The Bible says 36 men were slain from before them and they fled from them and they chased them. I don't know about you, but what a disaster. They lost 36 men, 36 men that represented sons, 36 men that represented husbands, 36 men that represented fathers, 36 men that represented relatives, 36 men that represented friends. They took Jericho without lifting a finger, and now they're going into Ai, and 36 men are lost. You listen to me this morning. When you sin, you never sin alone. When I sin, I never sin alone. When we sin, we bring other people down. There are casualties and aftermath to sin. 
other people are affected one way or the other. People are hurt. The sin in our life leads other people to sin and fall. But notice progress is hindered. The Bible says they fled before the men of Ai. The Bible says the men of Ai chased them and smote them. Progress is hindered. You listen to me this morning. We're on the verge of opening this building. You mark in your calendar to be back here on Sunday night, August 5th at 5.30. We're on target right now to have the grand opening that building. We're praying that God will have several hundred people here that evening, if not over a thousand people there that night, to see the grand opening of the building and to hear what God wants us to do with that building and to walk through it and visualize what God is doing there. But I remind you today of all the victories we're having, of all the things God has blessed us with. The Bible says that the Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad. I remind you today, sin could always be lying at the door. And I remind you today, where there's hidden sin, and when there's sin in our lives, listen, progress is hindered. If you've got sin in your heart, your prayers cannot be answered. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you're living in sinful abomination, your prayers cannot be heard. If you're not living, walking right with God, God cannot bless those paths, those things that you're doing. I just say this morning, progress is halted. But notice something else. They fled from before the men of Israel. They chased them before the gate, even unto Shebron. And the Bible says, Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Listen, their morale dropped. They were, they were at the bottom. They felt like losers. They felt like failures. Watch this. This prayer is halted. And yes, people are hurt. And yes, progress is hindered. But I remind you this morning, there's painful humiliation. They were humiliated before their very enemies. Their testimony was soiled. Their name for Jesus Christ was brought down. I remind you today, there are casualties associated with sin. What a disaster. The Bible says in verse 6, Joshua ran his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. Joshua wanted to know, Lord, what happened? What went wrong? Oh, beloved, there's a cause of sin. They're the casualties of sin. But you notice, number three, there's a cover-up of sin. There's a cover-up of sin. Josh and the elders of Israel fall on their faces before God. Lord, what happened? Lord, Did you do this to annihilate us right here in the middle of the wilderness? Right here among all the Canaanites? And you know, I believe Joshua was very sincere. But coming off a series of victory after victory after victory after victory and good day after good day after good day, I think he gets like you and me. I think he was clouded in his judgment and unclear in his mind. Because farthest from his mind was asked this question, Is there sin in the camp? Is the progress that's hindered? Is the prayer that's halted? Is the painful humiliation? Is the people that are hurt? Could it be what God told us in Joshua 6, verses 18 and 19? Could it be there's sin there? And he's praying out loud to God and said, what's going on over all these things? Would you notice what God says to Joshua in verse 10? Joshua, get up. Get up. What are you doing on your face? What are you crying about? Now, God wasn't being merciless. 
And God was not being mean. But a lot of times, we pray our hearts out asking, why, Lord, what was your, what was your failure? Lord, what, what's going on? How did this happen? How did we get here? Notice what God tells Joshua. And you listen very carefully because this tells us the source of all of our troubles. Would you notice verse 11 and 12? Israel has sinned. And they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. What covenant? Chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they put it even among their own stuff. Would you circle the word dissembled? Now, the word dissemble, we sometimes see that in the New Testament, like, for instance, Romans chapter 12, is the word dissimulation. Dissimulation is a word that is also can be said synonymous with the word hypocrisy. And dissembled has the idea of something that is untruthful, that is deceitful, that is not the real picture of intentional, of detentional deceit. It means to feign obedience. And what God was telling Joshua, which opened his eyes and smote his heart, his conscience there, he's taken aback in verse 11 that God tells him, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Israel sinned. Israel sinned. He said, there's sin in the camp. They've transgressed my covenant. They've stolen. They've coveted. They've dissembled. They're covering it up. He's talking about the cover-up of sin. He said, as we'll see later on, we'll see later on this chapter, Achan hid what he stole in the earth in the midst of the tent. He stole, as we'll see later on, he stole and he hid it underneath the earth in his tent. He thought he could hide it where no one could find it. He thought he could hide it where there would be no way anyone would search it out and find this thing. It was hid in his tent and the silver thereof. Achan was covering up until he was caught. There was the cover up of sin. Listen to me this morning. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, and they were our spiritual uh, spiritual earthly fathers, when Adam and Eve were made, they were made perfect and without sin. But when they sinned, the Bible says they saw their nakedness and they sewed themselves fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They tried as desperate as they could. Their eyes were open and they realized as their conscience smote them that they, they had sinned against God. They broke the one commandment God gave them that said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge. Else you become, you become knowledgeable of who you are and you'll, and you'll die. And they had no concept of death except that moment. And their eyes were open and they looked at each other and they realized they had sinned. And they tried to cover themselves up and they did a poor job of doing that. The Bible says they cut off leaves from the fig tree and they didn't. Probably it was a fig tree they ate from. Maybe the same tree they ate from. And they, they, they took the leaves and tried to cover themselves up. But they didn't do a good job. And the Bible says as God was walking in the cool of the day, that He was looking for them. He says, where art thou? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. I think this morning of King Saul, he told Samuel, I did what the Lord told me to do. And then Samuel came to him and says, what meaneth? The bleeding of the sheep in my ear and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. Listen, there was a cover-up in Saul's life. And there was a cover-up in Adam and Eve's life. And there was a cover-up in Achan's life. Listen, cover-up occurs because there is guilt. Cover-up occurs because you don't want to be caught. Cover-up occurs because you think you can get away with it. Cover-up occurs because you don't want to give up your sin. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. 
prosper. There was a cause. There was a casualty. There was a cover-up. Listen, while all these tragedies are going on, Achan's sitting back there in the tent watching this. And I imagine even his own heart smote him that he took of the accursed thing and hid it under his tent. And he dug a hole under his tent and put a blanket over it. It was hid under the tent. He tried to hide it from them. There was cover-up. But listen, there is no such thing as cover-up from God. God sees all things and God knows all things. Notice in verses 16 to 23, there's a confrontation. Be real candid with you. I would not want it to have been Josh at that moment of time. Neither should you. Josh had to take on the very difficult task of finding out who took the accursed thing. Who took the devoted thing? Who took that which God says the silver and the gold belong to me? It goes into the treasury of God. This is your first victory. This is your first accomplishment. There'll be many cities to conquer. But this first city, there are things I've reserved to myself. The word accursed has the idea of devoted things. God said that belongs to me. So Joshua's now working through the tribes. And trying to find out what's going on. Scroll down with me chapter 7. And notice verse 16. The Bible says, And Joshua rose up early in the morning. And he brought Israel by their tribes. He has to find out where is this problem at. He's working through all 12 of the tribes. And as God is leading him and directing him. The Bible says the tribe of Judah was taken. Confrontation would be made. He made his way through the tribe of, of Judah. And he works through all the families. And notice we get down to verse 17 and 18. And he brought the family of Judah. And he took the family of the Zarites, and he brought the family of the Zarites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. He narrowed it down. He found out that Achan was the man. Listen, there was a cover-up, but you can never hide from God. We can never hide. God knows and sees all things. And listen, we notice here in verse verse 19, Achan is confronted. Joshua comes to him. And I imagine Joshua, whose name means Jehovah is salvation. Joshua came to him with a broken heart and yet with sternness in his face and doing a very difficult thing of having to confront this man about this sin. He says, Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. You see, Achan had seen the tragedies. He had seen the people that were hurt. He had seen the painful humiliation. He had seen that progress was hindered. He had seen all that, but he stayed in his tent. He just tried to keep quiet. He tried to meet, blur himself, uh, blur himself among everybody else. There. He tried to mix himself in. But listen, God found him out and brought it down to where Achan was out. And now J- Joshua comes to Achan and confronts him right there in the spot. Achan does not come voluntarily to Joshua. He doesn't come with a heart of remorse. He doesn't come with confession on his mind. He doesn't come with a desire to get right with God. He's waiting to be caught. He is confronted. Oh, listen to me, my friend, this morning. The worst place to be is knowing that you're a sinner and waiting to be confronted, waiting before God drops the bomb, waiting before God opens the sealed evidence to show that thou art the man and thou art the woman. That's the worst place for you and I to be in our lives. That's the worst place for us to be, to find out that something you've hit on your computer could reveal that something's wrong with you, or something you've hit in your files could reveal there's something wrong with you, or something that you've stolen from your employer 
or something you sold for somebody else reveals what you really are. Or something comes out of your past that shows what you've been doing. Or something comes out of the current events of your life that reveal where you're at. The worst place to be, my friend, this morning is to be in a place where you have to be confronted about your sin and do nothing about it. Achan wasn't willing to come forward. He wasn't willing to repent and tell God what he did. Achan is confronted. Notice in verses 20 to 22. Achan has to make a, makes a forced confession. Joshua forces it out of him. It's kind of like if your child, if your if your boy, your son, you make these batch of chocolate chip cookies, and there's this delicious, wonderful smell, this aroma of chocolate chip cookies in the room, and your little son goes in there and he goes starts taking those chip cookies and starts eating, and you notice on the tray they're missing, and you say, Billy, did you eat the chocolate chip cookies? And with chocolate chip all over his face, incriminating him, he says, No, Mama, I didn't steal those cookies, and it's all over his face, and yet. It's incriminating and you say, did you steal those cookies? What is that on your face? And he goes, yes, mama, I stole those cookies there. That's what's happened with this man by the name of Achan. He is forced into making a confession. Notice what it says in verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. Notice how he defines his sin. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and I saw 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, and I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. We don't have time to correlate this, but you correlate what he said there, and that one verse there in verse 21, with what Eve said, and what Adam did. Then notice, I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid them. He stole. He committed several sins there. He stole what was God's. He stole from God. He hid what belonged to God. He coveted in his heart. He did all those things. And listen, he came to the place where he was confronted about his sin. And he made a forced confession. I reminded this morning of how God confronted Cain about his, about his sins in Genesis chapter 4. And he confronted Cain. You'll notice if you have in your notes, you could turn to Genesis 4. This is what God said to Cain. But unto Cain... Cain into his offering, he had not respect. God came to Cain. He said, Cain, you know, you, you know what the right kind of offerings to be made. You know that the kind of offering that I only give respect to, that is the only, that is only accepted in my sight, is a blood offering, is a sin off, an offering for sin. I can't take your best vegetables. I can't take your best produce. Listen, I'm thankful for your, for, that you even think of that. But he says, you're not, you're coming short of what I ask you. It must be a blood sacrifice. And the Bible says, God had not respect unto Cain and his offering. And the Bible says, Cain was robbed and very wroth and his countenance fell and the Lord confronted him and he said Cain why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen look up here listen how do you know if you're in sin listen I'll tell you how you know you're in sin somebody says something or does something and if I know you're not happy with me and I know you're not happy with God and I know you're not happy with your spouse and I know you're not happy with your parents I'll tell you how you, how you give it up you're filled with wrath your, your face your countenance falls you're filled with wrath and you're like you don't want to shake hands. You don't want to be confronted. Why art thou wroth and why is that counted fun? Listen, you indicate through your facial features and through your spirit what's going on. Why art thou wroth and why is that countenance falling? There's an indication. There's something going on there that does not agree with the word of God. That does not agree with what God says there. He says, why art thou wroth and thy countenance falling? And notice verse 7 in Joshua chapter 4. God said this, if thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted. But if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. He was telling Cain 
Cain this. Cain, listen, if you get right about this matter and you make the right offering and you get right with me, he said, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, you persist in your ways. He said, sin lieth at the door. Brother and sister in Christ and friend here today who's not saved, I'm telling you this morning, if you do not wail, if you don't deal with the sin in your life, sin is lying at the door. He scrolls down here, notice in chapter 7 of of Joshua. At best, Achan makes an acknowledgement. It's a public acknowledgement. He's standing there with his sons and his daughters. In verse 22, Joshua sent messengers. They ran into the tent. Behold, it was hid in the tent. And the silver under it. I ask you a question this morning. By the love of God and the mercies of our Savior. Is there sin that you're covering? Is there sin that's being hidden? Is there something right now God's speaking to our conscience about? He's pointing something out. You know what it is. And just like with Achan, he sent messengers into the tent. And they dug it up. And the messenger this morning is the Holy Spirit. who The Bible says the Spirit of God reproves of sin, righteousness, and judgment. His sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because Jesus said, I go to the Father. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Can I ask you a question this morning before God? What is God confronting us about this morning? We see the cause. We see the casualties. We see the cover-up. We see the confrontation. Would you notice the consequences? Verse 23. And Joshua took them out of the midst of the tent. He brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garments, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his axes, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. He brought them to the valley of Achor. Keep your finger there. Go back with me, chapter 6, please. Would you read with me verse 18 again, please? Ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Notice this, lest you make yourselves accursed. When you take of the accursed thing, make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. As we read verses 25 and 26, they're very troubling verses. Achan, his sons and his daughters, everything he owned was stoned with stones. Ezekiel 18, 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6.23 says, 
the wages for the wages of sin is death. Would you notice verse twenty chapter seven verse twenty five? Joshua asked this question Why hast thou troubled us? Do you know what the name Achan means? Troubler. Achan's name means troubler. And God asked a question. Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. Sin has its ultimate consequence. You see, we're born in this world with a sin nature. We can do nothing about it. We can do nothing about it. By one man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. So then death has passed upon all men. For all have sinned. Sin has its consequence. The reason why we die, the reason why we have the troubles in this world is because of sin. And the bad part about sin when we die with all death, the hardest part about death is the separation from that loved one. Not being able to see them again in this life. And knowing you didn't say I love you enough. Knowing that when they're buried and go under the ground, that that's where they'll be for the rest of this life as far as earthly life is concerned. The number one question that should be in the heart of every believer when a person dies, where is that person going to spend eternity? Are they in heaven or are they in hell? Are they in heaven or are they in hell? There's a consequence for sin. God must punish sin. We're born with a sin nature. And because of that, the sentence of condemnation is upon us already. Listen to what the Bible says in John 3.18. He that believeth on him, that is Jesus Christ, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, the Bible uses the words like condemned and perish to describe the consequences of sin. Beloved, God is a holy God. There is no sin with God. We, we can't get our minds around the concept of God because we're sinful. God must punish sin. But the good news for you this morning is we'll see. God doesn't want to have to punish your sin. But you must be punished for your sin if you remain as you are as an unbeliever without having put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Look what happened to this man by the name of Achan. Achan would not confess his sin. Achan would not repent of his sin. Achan was forced into into confession, but he never made repentance. And so Joshua said in verse 25, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned him with fire. And after that, they raised him with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned for the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day, or the Valley Trouble. The heap of stones was a memorial. The memorial this man left behind was, I died and perished in this life because I would not believe. I would not confess I was a sinner. I would not repent of my sin. He left a memorial that would stand there at the Valley of Achor, reminding everybody who came by there, there was a man who had an opportunity to repent of his sin, but never did. And he died a sinner, spends all of eternity apart from God. 
Oh, listen, this morning, we see the cause of sin. We see the casualties in sin. We see the cover-up in sin. We see the confrontation in sin. We see the consequences of sin. But, beloved, this morning, I don't want to stay there on that negative end and tell you that's where we end. I don't want to stay there just on the consequence. I want to tell you some good news this morning. Yeah, there's a cause, and yeah, there's a cover-up, and yeah, there's a, there's a catch, there are casualties, and yeah, there are confrontations, and yeah, there's a consequence. But, beloved, I've got some good news to tell you this morning. I want to tell you today that where there's sin, there's a cure for sin. And that cure for sin is the death and of Jesus Christ and His shed blood for every sinner today. I want to tell you today there's a cure for you and for your sin and my sin. And that cure is found in Jesus Christ. Listen to the Bible as we get ready to close this morning. Romans 5 verses 8 and 9. But God commendeth His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, praise God, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Listen, this morning the cure is the death of Christ for every sinner. He was the only acceptable substitute. He's the only acceptable payment price. He's the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 1 John 2.2 He is propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Listen, this morning, you can be thankful and you can be excited and you can be enthused and you can rejoice and you can wave that old handkerchief like they do in the South. Amen. And just say, praise God, there is a cure for sin and the cure for sin is Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson state. He washed it white as snow this morning. And you can be thankful today. Christ died for every one of our sins. Christ died for every sinner. He died for the rapist. He died for the murderer. He died for the hypocrite. He died for the the stealer. He died for the robber. He died for the kidnapper. He died for deceitfulness. He died for every sin so that you can receive the gift of eternal life and have your sins forgiven knowing that you can be going to heaven. Last night we got this, this message from one of our members here who's here today. And uh, it was about 8 o'clock last night. He said, Pastor, he says, I, I want to send you something. And he sent me this message about a good high school friend of his in the Philippines who is going through a terrible, terrible bout with cancer right now. Literally just fighting for her life. And she's not a, she wasn't a believer in Jesus Christ, and, but a very, very sweet woman. And this woman, she just was, was going, just, she's run out of money. And the family and people are appealing to folks to try to raise us some money to help pay our medical costs. They're trying to do everything they can to battle this. And our church members said, Pastor, I just want to let you know, I sent, I sent my friend a copy of one of our, our church invitations, one of our church tracts. And on the back of our church, I don't know if I have one here, but one of our church tracts, it has the gospel plan of salvation on it. And he says, I, she's reading it and she, she likes it. And I said, hey, brother, we got we to gotta help this, your, your friend. She needs to get saved right now. And I said, man, we've got to snatch the seize upon this while there's opportunity. And I started messing. Him. I was at this at a dinner banquet last night. I started messaging him step by step what to instruct this person, and he did so. We're messaging back and forth together for about 30 minutes. There, going back and forth, and this dear woman was on medication that was making her drowsy, and she got back to our church member and says, "Listen, I'm just getting real drowsy. I don't know if I could go through this." And I said, "Brother, I said, listen, listen. The Satan wants to snatch the seed out of that out of her heart. We can't let Satan snatch the seed out of our heart. I want you to keep persisting, keep trying." I said, "Just keep going back and forth." I gave him some more encouragement, showed him what to do and what verses. 
Listen, I got home at about 10 o'clock, 10.15 last night. I was checking my messages and there was a message. He sent me a message from this dear lady and it came back basically this. She accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. She found a covering. She found the covering for her sin and the cure for all of life's ills through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I say to you this morning, you don't have to die and spend all of eternity in hell. You can get saved this morning. You can know God's Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. And I say to every Christian today, you say, well, Pastor, I, God spoke to me about some sin in my life. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's hypocrisy. Maybe it's gossiping. Maybe it's a bad temper. Maybe my countenance is falling and I'm filled with wrath. Maybe it's bitterness. I've grieved the Spirit of God and I've quenched the Spirit of God. I've got good news for you today. The Bible says if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. I have good news for you, every Christian here today. Yes, we'll still sin after we get saved, but listen, the blood of Jesus Christ just keeps on cleansing for sin. Aren't you glad about that this morning? Just keeps on cleansing from sin. And you can keep on coming to God according to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm telling you this morning, you don't have to stay the way you are. You can find freedom and you can find forgiveness and you can find cleansing and you can find a place with God and fellowship with the Lord. Don't delay this morning. If God is speaking to your heart about something like God did with Achan, don't be a person that you have to be confronted about your sin and forced to make confession. Come willingly and humbly before the Savior and say, God, this is what you've spoken to me. And say, God, I want to get this right and I want to have these sins forgiven and get my fellowship restored. And if you're not saved, just like that lady yesterday and like the other stories we've told, I invite you today, don't remain in your sin. Get saved today. Find relief in fact in the fact that Jesus loves you and died for all your sins and He wants you to be saved today. Much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. God doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell. God doesn't want you to be separated from love with. God wants you to know that you can go to heaven and that one day there can be a spiritual reunion of all of God's people. Now I'm going to tell you today, if you're here today and you've just gone through the motions and you've just fainted and you've just let people leave just because you prayed a prayer that you're saved, you may not be saved. I say to you today, it might be a good idea for today to come with a repentant heart and confession before God and say, God, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. In a moment, we're going to give the invitation. When the invitation is made, the Lord is inviting you to come and say to him, Lord, I need to get saved this morning. Lord, there's something going on in my life I want to make right now today. Don't leave your life like an Achan where there's such a tragedy. I say to you today, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, paid the price for sin. You can be saved today. Christian friend, you can be revived today. You can be cleansed and you can have a fresh start today. Just come to God. Don't wait for him to come to you. He's already come to you by making known in your heart and mind what it is you need to do. You do it this morning as we come to that place of the invitation. He invites you to come today. Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself in tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. Don't waste your time. You come before the God of mercy and the God of love and find His acceptance, His forgiveness, and His help in your life this morning. Now, Father, today we're so thankful today that though this story speaks about a man who messed up very bad. We're thankful for a Savior who in His perfection gave His life for every sinner. That Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And this morning, there may be somebody here today, God, who's been confronted about the sin in their life. And Lord, You know, there's no small sins and big sins. They're all sins. And if we know we're supposed to do right, we're not doing it. It's sin. It's sin. The Bible says they committed a trespass. They transgressed. They sinned. And Lord, we, 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 we're so trite with sin. But God, when we sin, we break the heart of a mighty God. 
We bring tears to your eyes and grieve the Spirit of God. Lord, as we give the invitation, we invite sinners today to come to Christ. Christians today to make their way down the old-fashioned aisle and humble themselves before God. I want to talk to Christians first this morning. Now you sit in the pew week after week after week. What's your sin the Lord spoke to you about this morning? I don't need to know about it, but God already knows. You ought to make your way to the old-fashioned altar, kneel down and say, Lord, I need to confess my sins to you. I want my fellowship restored. I want to get rid of this thing that's in my life. You're plagued by a bad habit and evil thoughts. You're messing around where you shouldn't be messing around. Lust is your problem. Listen, come to the Savior who's loving, who accepts you, who takes you right where you are. Christian friend, he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We need mercy this morning. The Lord's mercy is anew every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Jeremiah said. In a moment, you need to come. In fact, you ought to make your way now, Christian friend. Don't wait for the next person. That's sinful pride. The biggest sin we all have is the sin of pride. We must let go of our pride and say, Lord, I need to make that right with you. We're not right in your marriage. You're not right with your parents. You're not right with brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not with somebody. And you're, and you're filled with wrath. And your countenance is falling. You need to do well. For if thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted. But if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Christian friend, you make your way. And then how many today would say, Pastor Fong, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not 100% sure I'm saved and going to heaven. But I want to know. God spoke to you today. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anyone here today, you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved and going to heaven. But I want to know. Anyone like that? You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved and going to heaven, but I want to know. You've never called upon Jesus to save you, but you want to today. Would you do that? Anyone like that today? You're not sure, but you want to know. You want to know. Now, Father, today have your way, the invitation, Lord. Let the Holy, I'm letting the Holy Spirit speak and work in our hearts today. Lord, Lord, there's something being covered up, and there's been a confrontation. Lord, help us to drill in our hearts that consequence that's associated with it. Please have your way. Holy Spirit of God, in a merciful, tender, quiet way, draw us to yourself as we come just as we are. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Let's stand as you stand. If you need to make your way forward, you come right now. You come. If you're afraid to come, you come with someone else. If you need to make, you've recently been saved, I invite you to come to make a profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Ask that loved one to come with you so you can acknowledge that you, that you know Jesus is your Savior. Come today. Oh, come today. May we not hold back. May we not live in sin, the sin of cover up. You come this morning, just as I am, without one plea. You come this morning. Let's make right with God. Let's humble ourselves. Achan would not, and Achan would bear the consequence of that. Would you come this morning? Please come this morning. Folks are coming. Would you come this morning? Some are coming. Make a profession of faith. They've received Christ your Savior. How about you? You've reached to receive Christ. Would you come? I invite you to show that you're not ashamed of the Lord. And take that next step of just showing publicly that you love the Lord. You come. Christian friend, is God dealing with you today? Just see dealt with Achan. Come this morning. Let's come today. Would you come? If you feel uh, the Lord working your heart, we'll sing another stanza. But he's knocking at your heart. Open the door. Let him work in your life this morning. Would you do that? Don't live with covered sin. Don't live the same way. Don't, 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 don't leave the same way you came in. Amen? Leave cleansed and forgiven. Would you do that this morning? Now, Father, today we're thankful for your goodness and grace. 
Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Joshua 7 speaks to us. It's a very sobering chapter. It speaks to us about our lives. It speaks about, Lord, the importance of confession of sin. And thank you, there's a cure for sin. And the cure for sin is the death of Jesus Christ for every sinner. He shed blood, which keeps on cleansing us from sin. I pray for believers in Christ to find that cleansing today and to come back there over and over again. And then today, I pray for those, Lord, who perhaps you're speaking about their need for Christ, that would not let the day slip by without first trusting in Christ, putting their complete faith and trust in Him to be their Savior. Thank you for your goodness and your mercies who have been shed abroad to us today. We thank you for all this today. In Jesus' name, amen.